Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 42 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show, as well our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler Long Live Cowboys. What's up, everybody? Been two weeks. Episode 42, going to be a big one today. We have a huge guest. We'll get into that later where we're going to give you some insights on what's going on within the world of the PBR. Before we get to that, though, we'll introduce the boys as always. Start with Jason Davidson. JD, how you doing? I'm doing good, LT. How about you, buddy? I'm good. I'm kicking. I made her home from the US of A and heading back again this weekend, hopefully. COVID testing positives and all that sort of stuff. You never really know if you're going to get across. Yeah. Yeah. Travel is the ultimate fucking enemy of uh, anybody right now, especially commercial travel. It's a fucking joke, but getting through it. It's too bad. You know, it's too bad before we introduce Scott here. Mm -hmm. We would have crossed paths in GR next Grand Rapids. I was trying to get there for uh, when are you going to be over there? Wednesday of next week? Wednesday of next week. Yep. So you're doing something at the hockey game probably, eh? Probably. I think we'll be doing something. Yeah. Me and Brock Radford are traveling over there doing some PR stuff for the PBR. So I'm guessing we'll be hockey. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not that simple getting from Saskatoon to Grand Rapids these days. No. I would have had to leave Tuesday, which yeah. so I changed my plans. That's too bad. We would have got all banged up over there and uh, <laughs> on a Wednesday up. night in Grand Rapids. <laughs> well, that's good. I'll uh, make sure I, I'll set you up with uh, Ingram and Turner Elson. They'll be playing each other in that game. Yep, that'll do. That's why I ended up. So I go to Spokane this weekend and then, you know, I usually fly back and forth, but travel is so fucked right now that there's no guarantees of border. And then when you're at, even when you're just traveling WestJet, all these fucking airlines are canceling flights every day. Oh, I know. I had a five hour layover on the way down to Portland and a seven hour layover on the way back from Portland. So you can imagine how much fucking fun that is for everybody. What did you do for seven hours? I watched 1883. And yeah. uh, drank um, a lot of margaritas. <laughs> Where were they? They were twelve or thirteen dollar margaritas, weren't they? Yeah, about fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, so there's no joke. Well, why don't but... you? Uh, can you buy lounge passes? Yeah, Western. Yeah, I can. Yeah, it's just. Oh, you, know. you should go in there, man. They I did on the way down. Deadly, yeah, I did on the way down. Tequila drink. That's free. West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but by yeah, this, I, well, yeah, once you're in there, but by this time when on my travels home, I was like, fuck my life. I just wanted to crawl in a hole. So I found the first establishment and posted up and turned on the old TV and went at her. So 1883, the holy fuck boy, everybody's caught up on that. Wow. Okay, wait, sorry. Before we get to all this, Scott, what's up, brother Scott Burton? Well, I'm like you motherfuckers. I don't have any travel issues. Ooh. I'll tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> sticking pretty close to home. No, everything's good. Colder than a witch's tit in a brass bra here today, but uh, it's all good. We're no sticking your tongue on the flagpole today? <laughs> no, not today. We're <laughs> off the note of that. Yeah. yeah, we're minus 34, I think, here. Hey, I got to ask you guys, 1883, yes, big time. Um, have Has anybody watched Mayor of Kingstown? No, is it good? Oh, yeah. Twyla and I busted out a couple hours last night. Yes, Yes, it's going to be one of them ones that I'm going to stay up till one in the morning and then feel like a sack of shit at seven when Sam needs to get out and have a whiz and I don't feel like getting out of bed. So, yeah, I'm hooked already. On Netflix? No. Uh, Paramount. Paramount, yeah. Paramount. Is that something? Yeah, that's what 1883 is on. Yeah. 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 I have to... 
that's the fucking the way the world is now. There's nothing on actual TV. You might as well not even have a no dish shit. or cable provider. And then every show is on a different fucking provider. So you're paying six bucks a month on all the different apps to watch one show and then switch oh, yeah. apps to the other show. And they're getting you, buddy. It's good. Don't try to remember your trying to remember your login information. For <laughs> yeah. Don't say anything about 1883 because I haven't I haven't got it yet. Like oh, yeah, so. dude, yeah, Tonight, maybe. Tonight. Yeah, get into it because we're gonna talk about it on here. It's unreal. It's going well. <laughs> Great show, Taylor Sheridan. Like he's the he's he writes Mary Kingstown too, does he not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, what did that guy do after he got wiped out in uh, Sons of Anarchy? He just must have just buried himself in his work for the last seven years or eight years. Yeah. How the fuck would you keep it all straight? You'd sit down and you'd be like, what, what, what am I writing for today? Uh, yeah. Surround yourself with magnificent people. Wow. I think. All the storylines. Yeah, really cool. That's why yeah, I man. hang out with you two guys. Just surround right. myself with fucking absolute beauties. Just yeah. legends. Um, yeah, but on that, I guess we'll ride of things. We can get to it. Uh, Portland went really well. Yeah. The bulls were good. Um, my first velocity event was, was fun. Lots of, uh, lots of people that I haven't seen in a long time. We had Bo Davis running the, running the buck shoots there. And oh yeah. Yeah. So that was good. I caught up with Brady Olson won it. Brady Olson takes the win. PBR yeah. Canada guy. Do you guys remember when he snapped? Uh, the black here for liquid, twenty thousand liquid fire, right? Yeah, yeah. twenty yeah. or twenty five thousand. He won out of here that year. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, good for him. And, did you, uh, did, did you did have you any butterflies going into? Uh, did I have any butterflies? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was a little bit nervous. You know, it's it's like I did Big Sky and a couple across the U.S., but um, that's the velocity event, right? Kind of the first one. So you know, there's a lot. You know the tv is there now right and all that other stuff so not necessarily butterflies of of anything other than just wanting to do my job the way that i know i can do it and going out there and fucking showing it you know what i'm saying it's nothing to do with with anything else other than that you want to live up to the hype right so i think that always helps so that gives you for me anyway anytime there's pressure and added shit like that i usually just makes me step up to the plate i like that when i was riding and shit too was bring it on and put my back up against the wall and i'll fucking get it yeah so it was good the bulls were a little different than like your um your canadian bulls you know with the with the the big canadian bulls most everything as soon as somebody hits the ground 98 percent of them are fucking coming with it and ready no ready to hook something the fuck up (laughs) yeah and it's kind of you know there's there's bulls that have some hook and shit down there but lots of them just buck do their job and leave the arena you know so unless somebody lands wrong there's not a whole a whole bunch to do on lots of them as they've been bucked so many times. I, I know Jesse, we talked about this way back when, when he started kind of in the same position you're in right now, started making the jump from, you know, pretty much Canada to going down South, blah, blah, blah. But he said he really had to change his bullfighting style up because he, like we were so used to picking everything and really having to, you know, do our, you know, he said, I had to stop from, I had to slow rate down and wait so much longer because these bulls didn't quite have the fire and the, the hook that ours had up here in Canada, um, you know, to really make sure a bull was going to come to you and, and, uh, that's you very know. fair. Yeah, that's very fair. Yeah, well, I bet, you know, guys, if we were still traveling out East and you knock it out of them in that trailer for 12 and 18 hours, that's, I think that's the difference, the handling and the miles. I Bulls. do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and they've been back so many times and shit. And yeah, and like, you know, you see it like Cord McCoy and 
uh, HD page and those guys brushing lots of these bulls and picking up their yeah. feet and all this different stuff with it. Do you imagine fucking big Valley black or <laughs> trying to fucking even go near that fucking things. Well, no, we see it when we go to like take bulls to the PBR world finals, Canadian guys, right. And they'll put signs on the fucking pens, like stay back. Fucking don't go near the pens. <laughs> Canadian Grizzly. Yeah. This is a Canadian Grizzly. You know, we've had guys we've had guys in the podcast and we've asked them about, you know, their bulls that they most um, were probably scared of, we'll say in Canada and, and Shiver and Shake's name came up quite a few times. And I'm like, Can you imagine looking over at Dwayne and being like, Hey Dwayne, do you mind if I just go pick up Shiver and Shake's front right foot and clean his fucking hooves for you? Right? Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just like anything learning, learning process, learning curves and worked with um, a Brazilian guy named Wagner, really nice guy. And then uh, kind of nostalgic working with a guy named Aaron Hargo, who is uh, world champion freestyle bullfighter, Dwayne Hargo's son. And uh, my dad and, and Aaron's dad, Dwayne fought bulls together and, and freestyle and shit together. So kind of a full circle event, me and Aaron now working together. So we got a, some good pictures and some good bullshits and, uh, this weekend, me and Jesse and Aaron all work together in Spokane, so that'll be cool as well. So, yeah, it's fun, man. Lots of people I haven't seen. It's good to get back. You know, just the atmospheres. Everything's a little bit the um, different everywhere you go, and and those velocities really feel like uh, the just the way that it's set up and the back pens and everything like that. And uh, they they do it just like the the UTBs kind of do, right? So it was a lot of uh, a lot of reminders of of days riding and shit and it's been a it's been a minute since i've you know seen that in the production side of things and you know it's it's uh it was fun it was really cool and got to hang out with some canadian boys coy robbins and ashton we all roomed together and brock radford's down there and then you know lots of guys that i haven't seen in a while and Matt Triplett and fucking Jory Marcus. My God, Jory was there. I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, 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 is, he, was cool. is he going to go hard or that one was just close to home? Oh, he's been going. Went to Reno, Denver, here. He's going to Spokane. He's back back going and, and doing well. Doing really well, man. He's got a couple kids and um yeah he's he's doing doing great so it's good to see good to see him back and ended up actually picking up a bull there's a good picture i'll share it on social media but grabbed one off of him when he landed wrong after he made a good ride so it's kind of a funny uh funny situation for me to be in guy that i rode with a lot down there and then you know first one in me and him coming back kind of older yeah. now and and uh doing that together so that's uh, fun no there's lots of lots of good guys I'm looking forward to it it's a fun fun crew rocking robbie hodges was fucking clowning around entertaining out there that's always a good time those that know him know how much of a fun time he is so yeah it was uh tons of fun yeah, good was, start was he ripping on his base out there in his barrel at all uh, oh yeah dangling dangling away man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a good guy so yeah it was good and, and the bulls are were good any, are any of those guys gonna come to canada yeah, there's guys, lots of talk, lots of talk around coming up. It's all just the fucking regulations and everything that that's going to go on. But guys are wanting to big time. Guys are wanting to go yeah, as hard as they, they can. They know what's going on up here. Yeah. Yep. So it's good that way. And last weekend there was a UTB and then two velocities on. So you spread out, spread out guys all across uh, the country. But, you know, it was pretty cool to see that they filled every single one of them. There's young guys that I've never seen before. The road fucking awesome. They're up and coming and, and lots of lots of talent right now coming up in the bull riding world. So it's good to see and good to see that there's lots of guys for the upcoming team deal that we'll talk about with Gleason uh, in our interview as well. 
bit of a teaser, I guess that could be a teaser to our interview today is with <laughs> the one and only PBR CEO, Sean Gleason. We'll get to that in a bit, but uh, you guys can maybe touch on it a little bit. It's fucking pretty cool to have to have him on the show and, and get some of these insights. We've been getting lots of questions from people wondering what's going on within the team deal, the differences and changes. And I think he he hits on a lot of the, the questions that a lot of people have in this uh, in this interview. Yeah, he definitely, for myself, uh, cleared the air on a lot of, we'll say, rumors or or false information that's been going around. And and after listening to to him, uh, yeah, it's uh, bigger and better than I ever thought it was going to be. Yeah, well, you know, I've been getting little bits of it here and there, and it's just, uh, you know, it's good to get it right from the boss's mouth on it, on some of these questions we had. And um I, I think it, I think it's the evolution of the sport personally. Um, you know, I, uh, I remember him telling me about it years ago and it's always like, you know, I've thought about, um, like even Lloyd Minster, let's do a Saskatchewan versus Alberta event. And it's just, it's easy to talk about it, but to put everything into motion, it's just the work. And, you know, I know it would have been a ton of work and that is the guy you know, when he gets something in his mind, he's going to do it. Um, there's no change in it. There's no, like if he gets board approval or, you know, the director's group, he's doing it. Um, so I think it's exciting. I think it's just, it's, it's going to make uh, riders um, a lot of money. I really feel that the, the people they have involved, like the people they have involved, it's ridiculous. The money, like we're talking about a different tax bracket than, the richest Canadians like these guys are players so we all remember as younger fellows Tanner I don't know, even know if you were born at this time but do you remember the all-star pro rodeo challenge in Saskatoon and and Part, parts of it well but I'm just <laughs> saying that that was a team aspect there and you could you could go and make your team whatever and I remember it was a huge hit people yeah. love that concept um Unfortunately, it went away, and that's the way it seems to go uh, um, when it comes to that part of it. And and uh, but it was huge. And and this here, the way he's explaining it, the 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 sky's the limit on on what can happen out of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm looking forward to getting down to Global Cup and spending some time. It's just usually, you know, with travel, it's been a lot easier, except for the last couple of years. So. Um, I want to get around down there and get around the guys and hear some more what's going on. That's what I'm. You're missing. just yes. fucking oh, sniffing in to be on one of the teams is all you're fucking up to. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, usually when you say, usually a couple texts. I know what you're up to. Okay. Usually when Jason says, what do you mean? That means the wheels <laughs> yeah. are in motion. Yeah. Yeah. So, He's got shit uh-huh. going. I'm uh-huh. sure of it. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's cool. And and, um, other than the team aspect, too, he shared with us a lot of different, you know, uh, me being a bull riding guy, bull riding side of things. There's always lots of rumors within the room of of different shit that goes on. So uh, we got some good questions and and answers from him on on the bull riding side of things, too. So everybody's going to get a little bit of a, uh, a kick out of it, I think. So we'll send it out here in a little bit. 
But before we do, we got some shit to talk about. Fuck, obviously. Jesus Christ. Uh, first event of the year, New York. They had the team lotteries where they announced the teams and uh, the names of the teams and all that sort of stuff. So I don't have them all in front of me, but all the different cities, Austin Gamblers, and, and they showed their uh, logos and all that sort of stuff. So that was a big kickoff to the start of the year was showing that. And I thought that was pretty cool and, and uh, big names that, that showed up to New York to be a part of their their teams and the coaches and all that sort of stuff. So uh, they're really blowing it up. And and um, I think uh, hopefully it lives up to the hype, which it should. And, and talking with guys, they're excited about it too. So, uh, but the actual boat ride in itself, um, the champion goes to Kyler Oliver. Yeah, and, didn't know that young man. No, how cool is that, right? So young guy comes out of nowhere, wins. The, well, doesn't come out of nowhere. He had a good year last year and then had some injuries and had to had to go out and get surgery and decided to get the surgery so that he was going to be healthy to uh, to come back and do things that he knew how he could do. And fuck, that did that work out for him? Wins Madison Square Garden. Yeah, like 80 shit. grand. Yeah. 80 oh, that's grand. It's a major yeah, yeah, moved him to number one in the world. So that's that's huge. Put his name on the map forever now with an, with a, a major win in Madison Square Garden. So congrats to that guy. Both side of things though. Uh, one guy oh, that I think we forgot to mention that you know, Mezcal. like I said, oh Mezcal, that's what I'm fucking going. Yeah, Jeremy Jackson, Walker's bull. Jackson's in my ear. Jackson's in my ear. Dad, you should. Be. I'm like, okay, thanks. Yeah. thanks. Where were you when I was on this? you know, on the picks. Yeah, that was one, you know, like we said, there's going to be bulls that we're forgetting about when we were doing our picks. Cause there was only one event before we did them. And yeah, I forgot, totally forgot about all of Jeremy Walker's bulls. And he's got a deep pen with red Clark. Oh, should be contractor of the year. If you ask Jackson. Yeah, there you go. And then, and um, sees Chad and then Chad, <laughs> Chad, and Chad will be back. as number one. Right? Another one that we forgot about too, that is number one. In the world right now is a former Canadian bull by the name of Moonlight Party. That mm-hmm. is a big bucking motherfucker that originated from uh, Curtis Sawyer. That now Gene Owens back and then he's had two outs and forty six. What's his Forty six plus Moonlight Party. A heater, a fucking heater. So yeah, that'll be good to watch that one too. That one might have been a, a pick that we slipped through. Uh, I used to ride bulls like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, fucking nice. Oh, uh, uh, then we got a we got a call out on on Facebook this morning too from Cody Coverchuk letting us have it that that uh, that we forgot about a Canadian bull that that his pick is is uh what was it again what is it jason the red bull we talked muzzle, about muzzle, muzzle blast muzzle blast yeah and we talked about him in there he was part of our picks but we just don't know if he's healthy right yeah. so Coverchuk you know good pick but. Do some homework, motherfucker. Yeah, I don't know right. if he's healthy. I don't know if he's healthy, dog. But we'll put that in there as 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 cover Chuck's pick. We'll put that off to the side. But hopefully he is. And another aspect, if he's gonna be able to go to go to the US, right? If he is healthy enough, I'm sure they'll be selling that sucker down there. So we'll see. But yeah, thanks for the shout outs, people. We love it. We love hearing everybody's comments, what everybody thinks on on uh, on what we got. Uh, on top of that, Chicago was was on while we left. Huge win for friend of the show, Stetson Lawrence. Yeah, good dude, too. Good to see. Um, reading something this morning, like how mentally challenging it was to get back, like breaking your neck, like, you know, that could have went how many different ways for, for Stetson. So, you know what, I always got to, those guys like him and Triplet. you know, they, they 
they paved their way through PBR Canada events. Sure they did. Um, uh, oh, who else? Shopper. Shopper. You know, Shopper is another one of those guys. Zach Peterson, like, fuck Jay Palkey back in the day. You know, I'm, uh, I ran into, I've been talking to Palkey lots. Uh, yeah. I ran into him in Vegas too. Uh, anyway, uh, so I think I'm going to zip down to Bismarck and maybe just jump on his plane to Global Cup. Fucking right. Might as well. Yeah, he's going to go. So I don't know. Have you got your travel plans made yet, coach? Uh, Might as well announce it now. Yeah, I guess coach, it comes out. <laughs> coach, coach Tanner Byrne. Yeah, no coach pressure there. Catch up nuts. Oh, there's always pressure, bro. Pressure's what you yes, put in right. tires. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, well, there it is. I guess you announced it. Um, yeah, really excited to, to be named the the coach of the PBR Global Cup for Team Canada this year. Uh, I got the call a while back, but I'm going to keep that under wraps. But yeah, really excited, really pumped up to to lead the boys into battle. And we got a we got a pretty cool team. I think um, the picks got to be in here in a little bit, so it's kind of tough to pick guys a month before as you want to see who's hot and who's riding really good at that time, right? I don't. For me, it doesn't matter what you've won or, or who the fuck you are. It's all about, um, you know, how you're riding right at that time, right? It's a, it's a sport of momentum. So um, there's a bunch of different aspects to come into that as well with um, you guys that ride different styles and different styles of bulls. And we all know the bulls that we're, that we're going to see in Arlington are the best in the world. So there's a lot of moving parts that are, that are going on within the, the systems, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Huge honor and means a lot to me to, to be named that and, Hopefully we can go in there hot and win that sucker. Looking forward to it. Well, I hope so. I'm not flying all the way down there to watch you lose. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> well, and that being said, uh, congratulations, number one. But number two, um, I would say uh, you've paid your dues and know the ins and outs and uh, more than uh, qualified for the job. So right on. Good for you. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. So we'll keep everybody in the loop on on everything that goes along with that as it as it unfolds. And um, um, yeah, no, it's it's you know, the Global Cup especially was my favorite fucking event that I got to go to in my career and riding for your country and for your team. Um, I've never I never got bucked off there unless it was on their head or on the back of my head hitting the dirt. There's no letting go at the global cup. So that's another aspect of, of guys that you want there that are going to give it everything they have every time they nod their head. So, uh, it's cool. I love the, I love the, the, the atmosphere around it. Love the team aspect of it. And, uh, now to go back is yeah. Big feather in the cap that, that the okay. guys are trusting me to lead them, lead them into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. What day do you got to announce your team? Uh, it's still up in the air. January 31st, I have to have some some names in. Um, okay, so like I said, we got guys hurt. There's lots of different stuff that's going on that we won't know. Lots of guys, if they're healthy, until mid-February. or And, I mean, that's the thing. If guys haven't been on a bunch of bulls since Edmonton, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of moving parts that we have to take into play on who's going to be on the team. Okay. Well, Scott and I are not going to ride. Um, what? Scott? I had Scott pick. So February 3rd, I guess, we'll be having a letting everybody know on our pod, eh? Yeah. yeah. We'll we'll live February 3rd with a few of the names. Are you comfortable with that there, LT? For sure. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Ooh. I mean, you know, You'll there's... you first. Yep. Get the inside we've, scoop. We've got, a, we've got a good scoop today with yeah. our uh, CEO, 
commissioner, Mr. Gleason. Um, that was pretty cool. He gave us that scoop today. I thought. Yep. Wow, uh, that's gonna be cool. So this is a big episode. We're, we're sharing a lot of stuff here right now. They're all big, aren't they? <laughs> Just to get yeah. us all on this this Zoom call together is a big accomplishment, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, it's gonna be cool though. You know, a lot of good teams with fuck Brazil, obviously the U.S. and then Mexico and Australia always put in good teams. So it's it's a different aspect this year with it being one day. So it's really anybody's game, and uh, it was hot that day. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one day, no assistant coaches, no anything else, just one coach and only five guys. So it, it cuts down from the eight that we normally had over two days to five guys, no alternates. So that's really going to cut down the field, and we're going to have to leave a lot of um, good bull riders at home. And when I say we, I mean that, right? It's it's not just me picking them. I've put together a uh, a group of guys in a team that, that uh, I truly respect and, and have been at the top of the game that are, that are helping with these picks and, and uh, giving opinions. So there's, there's a, there's a big group behind us that that's involved with, with putting this team Canada together. This is a question I, I should have maybe asked earlier, but uh, do you think with this new teams deal and the regular UTB season that this could be the demise of the global cup? I think that they'll keep it around. I think that uh, I think that the Global Cup was the intro to making sure that the team systems could work. But I think it's grown to be so big that that uh, it'll kind of be like the Olympics or the World Cup, where it's it won't be as big in the future because these team deals are, are they're not going to be so rare because you're going to have team deals every weekend now. But I think that the guys will always want to have a global cup just to ride for your country on top of riding for your normal team. So I think it'll be like other sports where it's, it's uh, it'll always be there and it'll be that nostalgic thing that, that uh, you get to represent your country. So I hope they keep them going. Cause it is, it is an amazing opportunity and a big accomplishment to ride for your country in the, in the global cups. Right on. Uh, the format is, yeah, you got, uh, you got your five guys and it's one day, uh, six bulls. So three, three, uh, three guys from your team ride in the first section, three guys from your team ride in the second section. Uh, so one guy will have to ride twice in, in the, in that, in that day. And then there's yeah. a bonus round on top of that. So, another, so whoever, somebody will have to ride twice again there. So, uh, four of your guys will ride once. Oh, sorry, three of your guys will ride once and, and two of your guys will have to ride twice that day. So I think it's kind of cool for, for Canada. If you look back in the, in the past, we've always really done well that first day. If you look at the, the f- events that have gone on, we've been winning it twice after the first day going into that second day. So um, hopefully that's a, a good sign for us that we can, we can do that. Guys will be fresh, not having to get on a bunch of bulls. And uh, we can match them up with with bulls. Hopefully that they can fit their style and and uh, get them get them all down and and uh, come out as champions. So I I, I yeah I have a, a really high hopes for for our team and and uh, for Canada at this year's Global Cup. I'm still really disappointed. I'm not going to be in Grand Rapids next Wednesday with you and Brock. <laughs> Holy yeah, fuck. Oh, squirrel. What are squirrel. really what are the chances? What are the chances that that would ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know, not man. it's not gonna happen. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, I could, if I feel like leaving Tuesday, it could, but I uh you should come though, it'll be fun. That's a big big thing right when you're going and you're getting on bulls right now and showing that that you want it and 
not just sitting at home. Uh, you get that momentum going. You look at a guy like Griffin Smeltzer right now. He's fucking rolling. Did really well in Denver. Uh, been riding bulls. He rode Speed Demon in Denver, which is Bull Chat Burgers. That's that's uh, nobody really stays on. So uh, he went to a touring pro last weekend. Won second and third, I think, at that event. So guys like that that are rolling. Ashton Sully rode really well at uh, Denver. Got two down. Got bucked off in the short go, but. Yeah, it's good to see uh, good to see these guys going down and and uh, showing what they got down there. So, Jason, you think we can put together anything up here to see our our guys before they get to go, or is it going to be oh, them we're, having to figure it out on their own? Well, no, we were actually we're trying, but Blaine got the vid, so we were supposed to be in this week. So we'll go in next week and see. It's just nobody wants to go do anything right now. I'm fine, like. You know, we still got to sell some tickets to make it work, right? And but, uh, let's just let's just clarify. Blaine got a cold. <laughs> sure, sure. The cold he is, uh, he's, Well, you know, he's got to be pretty sick to keep him from doing something. So yeah. he's not feeling too well. Um, so apparently, yeah, uh, the start of next week we're gonna go. So that's gonna put us a week behind. Um, and we only got five weeks till Global Cup. Where are you gonna have it? Where are you gonna do this? No, we thought about doing something at Prairie Land, just kind of a private, private party type atmosphere, kind of like what Tanner's been doing at the ranch, and and uh, get some get some bulls over here and let these guys get on. Maybe you know if it if it was a success, maybe even keep stuff set up and do it a second weekend in a row too. You know, oh, don't worry, Scott, you'll be getting a call oh, to okay. donate to donate your time for Team Canada. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the first part of that, the donate part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it'll be good. There's lots of moving parts with that, but we'll try to keep everybody updated as much as we can. Um, some sad news that that uh, we want to get to. Last week, we all got the news, the, the texts and the calls and seen it all over social media. But the uh, loss of Jerome uh, Robinson. Jerome passed away and... Um, for those that don't know, maybe Jason, you can fill us in. You've seen him in the arena all the time. He's been a one of the greatest cowboys that there's ever been. Started like you can't even really start to what this guy's fucking done. He's done everything. He's the pillar of what the PBR is, what rodeo's been. I didn't know all the stuff that he did until he passed and started reading on it. But uh, we're talking about a guy that is the mentor to guys that are our mentors you know he's cody lambert's mentor and owen washburn like he's the he's the dog was the dog of all dogs right so uh jason maybe you could fill us in a little bit more on on jerome and what he meant to the pbr and really to all like to all of us this is a a huge loss but you know such a great guy well yeah when the pbr wheels started rolling in its infant stages it was jerome's equipment you know jerome phoned everybody well, Scott, he phoned us to go to, to Vancouver in 1997. And that's the that's the first time I got to meet Jerome. Um, but anybody that's watched the PBR event or any type of a fan knows exactly who we're talking about. He's always dressed up, never had a hat on in the arena because he was always on the TV, on the headset. So um, I really enjoyed getting to know and listen and learn from that guy. Um I remember Jay Doherty's words, like he's bulletproof. And that's the truth. Um, I remember Sean being up at Roger's place and we're talking about two arenas and how we need to do this and that. And somebody, I forget who the hell was standing there and said, well, I don't know if we can do that. He goes, yeah, we can. We'll just get Jerome here. And that was his answer. Like, you know, Bucking Bulls at Madison Square Garden. There's the architect of it all. 
um, the rodeo with Brian Claypool. So that, uh, that was always good when we'd get that 20 minutes or a half an hour in one of the rooms at an arena somewhere that you get to bullshit with them about, about things like that. I, I uh, introduced Dale Claypool to him at the PBR world finals one year. And I just sat and listened to those two guys. And that's the stuff that I cherish and will remember the most about Jerome um, that he always had time to talk to everybody. I don't think yeah. the man had an enemy and that briefcase of his, was all handwritten, man. He had a place. If you needed to drop 10 bulls off somewhere, anywhere in North America, you could ask Jerome and he'd have a number or a person that would help you out. So big loss. You know, they say everybody can be replaced. I don't know how you replace a guy like that. I, I really don't. He, uh, a lot of people worked under him. You know, they look at, um, oh, Chad's boat, like uh, um, Delbert. You know, those guys all are, those are all Jerome's guys, you know, give everybody so, a chance. You know what? Like he basically died with his boots on though, you know, coming out of Madison square garden, got home and, and passed away in his sleep. So, you know what you gotta, it's sad, but fuck, he did what he was, he died doing what he loved. Yep. And, and, and to echo that, uh, I called your dad, Tanner, on on just the bullshit about him and whatever. And, of course, your dad, utmost respect for him. And you're right, Jason, he did spend a lot of time rodeoing in Canada back in the day and mm -hmm. had ties to the Claypools. And one of the things that, that Ryan said is he was, was respected so much. He would give you advice if you asked for it. You know, um, he wasn't one of them guys that wanted to bully people around and whatever, but um, just had a, a calm about him. But he's, and I don't know this for a fact, but he had one of his fingers were cut off and there was kind of a nub. And Ryan said, if he got mad, which wasn't very often, and poked you with that nubby finger, you knew you were in trouble. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know uh, yeah. No, you'll be remembered. The, yeah, for a lot of a lot of great things, like so many different things. Like the guy did events everywhere, like everywhere, everywhere. Well, he invented, started and he, Procom. Yeah, yeah I'm just gonna yeah, say Procom. Like, yeah. But he's an intelligent. I guess yeah. you ask about a bull yeah. from well back when he even rodeoed, he could tell you what he looked like, what his number was, which way he went, who the hell got on him, and what hand he was riding with. Like his knowledge of buck and bulls, apparently, it's just was insane yeah it was that was through the roof that was fun you know like he was always standing out there right so every time you hit the ground whether good ride or bad ride you'd look up and he was always somewhere usually over in the in the camera pit or by the by the judge you know the replay yeah. judge standing over there right so uh and like you say always had a word of advice if you asked for it and one quick story i got before we move on was i had um i had asteroid drawn one time and i think it was eugene oregon and we were doing PR and, and he's, you know, he drone was in charge of all the steel and setting up and all the product, everything. Right. So for the PR stuff, we'd have a bull weigh in all the time. So they'd bring out all the steel and um, they'd have people come out and the news and everything like that. So they had to have a pen for this bull to sit in. So long story short, we're standing out there doing PR stuff together, bullshit. And then I said, Jerome, what do you think fucking I should do um, to stay on asteroid? What the fuck's the trick with this little sucker? And he looked at me and he goes, well, Tanner, if I was you, I would hope he has his worst day and you have your best. 
You know what? Uh, I said, fuck um, it, hey, bro. Fuck it, hey. <laughs> you know, Fair enough. You yeah. guys know how hard uh, my partner Blaine works, right? And uh, he don't like taking direction from too many people. Um, but he formed a bond with Jerome um, going, you know, down to the Global Cup in uh, Dallas and then working with him at, uh, at the Global Cup here at Rogers Place. And, uh, yeah, I remember Blaine saying, he just goes, like, the common sense, like, that, that guy reeks of common sense. Like, he just makes shit work. Like, you tell tell somebody you can't do it or that somebody will tell you they can't do it, and then you just call Jerome. He'd roll in there and figure yeah. it out. Yeah. You think about, like, yeah. Madison Square Garden, any of those mainstream markets, the PBRs, and those buildings aren't built like Sastel Center, where you got acres <laughs> – of of room to move shit around and store bowls and stuff like you're you go up three you know you go up three stories at madison square garden to get to the ice level the, sure the bulls got to go up three three yep. stories yeah they chase them up the ramps it's pretty cool to watch yeah yep. oh, funny story on that one time adam oates the hockey player came to prince albert uh to do uh to do a. Like he was the guest speaker at this athlete thing that we were all at. And my father-in-law and me, we were all interested. had a few drinks and he go, we start talking about New York and Oates fucking, he'd played there for fucking, it's, I don't know, 20 years or whatever, however long he played for, played Madison Square Garden, a bunch of those years. And uh, Rusty's like, you know what? It's crazy. They go up the fucking, Tanner will tell you, but they go up the stair or go up the ramp all the way up to the third level to, to before they start playing hockey, before they start bucking bulls. And Adam Oates is like standing behind him like, what the fuck? Does this guy not know who the fuck I am? <laughs> he's like, I know, bro. I fucking, I know that fucking place very well. Yeah, that's funny shit. But, um, well, one of the old stadiums, we'll have to get Curtis Session on here. But yeah. is it Chicago? If you actually watch the players walking up the steps um, to get on the ice. Really? Uh, I don't know if it was the old Chicago arena. Or maybe Bob, one of them old, I think, original sixes. Your dressing room was down in the dungeon in the basement. Uh, uh, yeah, climbed right up the stairs and onto the ice. I just, I just want to jump back here quickly, Jason. You're talking about Jerome and and Blaine Fison and and sitting here thinking, you look at a guy, you know, Blaine Fison looked up to Jerome, but Blaine Fison is that guy. He's got that common sense about him. He can make stuff fit oh, yeah. where everybody else would be like no nope, can't be done and yeah. he's one of those guys it's a it's a special human being that has that gift that can make shit work when everybody else doesn't think it can so well and you can't be scared to get your hands dirty you know like like you got to put some work in which i'll tell you what this these gen last couple generations of of teeny boppers they don't have a they don't even have a clue they don't <laughs> Um, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why we're. In, that, maybe that's why we're in the shit we're in right now. I could say all the old fucks have no idea either, so it works both ways. But you wouldn't have a leg to stand on for that. <laughs> well, you have no leg to stand on saying you can't clump us all together. This is like any generation. There's going to be useless fucking tits in any generation. <laughs> Not the whole fucking generation, right? Yeah. Well, no, there's some generations coming right now. I think you're you're going to have to teach your kids, Tanner. Like we're teaching ours, you will. Like or they'll be uh, guidance. I mean, yeah, guidance. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of guidance, ask, ask ask guidance. I think that's one thing. Jumping back to Jerome, 
was that a lot of these young guys are going to miss was what he gave um, gave confidence into young bull riders. When I first came on tour, I had I had no fucking feel like I had no right to be there. I thought these guys were all my heroes, and um, you know I don't I don't fucking ride as good as these guys. And one of my first events, I rode a big Hawaiian bull. Can't remember what they called him, something ivory, and he's around the left, and nobody rode him. And uh, felt like I, you know, just got lucky that day. But Jerome made a point of it and coming over. I didn't know him. I hadn't talked to him before that. And told me that I rode him absolutely perfect. That's the only way to ride that bull. You keep that up, you're going to have a great future in this sport. And that was like the click that was like, holy shit, this guy thinks I can fucking do it. You know what I mean? You don't forget shit like that, right? So he, and he did that quietly, right? He never, you know, nobody, he didn't make it known or anything like that. It was just a couple words, but he was quietly gave a lot of guys huge, huge confidence. And, and right from, like you say, Cody Lambert to generations after me that were there after I left too. So yeah, huge, huge loss within the the world on all aspects of, of well, and, you know, what are we a year into these pods now? And you and I were doing up our list of who we should get. And that's my, well, as soon as I heard the news, because we just did Jared's, I think. And I'm just, that was my regret. I'm like, shit, you know what? You take stuff like that for granted. And we should have had one with Jerome there a hundred percent. If, you know, I'm sure he would accommodated, man, could we have got some great stories and the best part, you know, Anybody doing podcasts in any state could have got a Jerome Robbins could have got Jerome Robinson on and he would have been able to tell a story about somebody they probably knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, right? Like you can all you can just relate to the man because he's just his, you know, his reach was so far. It really was. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. I guess we'll dedicate this pod to that man. That's safe. Yeah. Uh and, uh, and what we can do for what he's done for us and for the sport of uh, PBR and rodeo. Definitely. For sure. And I don't think he drank, but we'll have a sneaky weasel lager for him. Well, I will anyway. <laughs> right now. If you're looking for a smooth, refreshing beer this weekend, grab yourself a sneaky weasel craft lager. This mildly hopped craft lager delivers a bold 5.6 ABV, but goes down crisp and clean. This beer pairs well with any bull riding celebrations, fun in the sun, and good times with friends. This beer is available across all of Western Canada. Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFB podcast. Well done. Jason. Um, new protocols that they just released for COVID testing in the NHL. Uh, they're they're not gonna do some testing after the All Star break, is what I get from that. Is that what's going on, Jason, within the NHL, or what do you got? Yes, sir. Asymptomatic. They won't test them anymore, apparently. So it's good following in the NFL's footsteps, I guess. Um, I think that's where we need to go. We need to move forward, like. I don't think there's enough bubble wrap to help some of these people out there right now. There just is not enough bubble wrap in the world, unfortunately. Yeah. No, it's good lost to see that they're doing that. Yeah. Well, they got to, you know, so Severson had it here. Uh, well, he just healed his first game back and I text him, I'm like, how are you feeling? He goes, I'm fine. He goes, I could play 26 to the 26 minutes. He had a big night, the, uh, two nights before playing 26 minutes because I could play another 26 tonight. So yeah, he's itching. So he's back at it tonight, which I guess will be yesterday when everybody listens to this. So 
we'll see. But he had like zero symptoms, nothing. He said it was the worst week of his life because you can't do anything. You got to stay at home, which they don't feel is that's not necessary because at this, you know, professional athlete, you got to stay tuned up, right? You're skating. These guys skate every day, every single day, right? They have four days off a month and then you can't come to the rink. You can't put in the reps. Like, you know, I don't have to tell you guys. Your athletes remember how we did it, Scott, training every day before we went in the arena. No booze, no, booze, no fast food, um, just straight to the gym every morning. You know, like it's an adjustment. It is. It That's good to see that they've 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 went over to that though with the no testing. Um, I think I learned my training regimen from you guys. Uh, um, but yeah, let it fucking go. I, like I said, coming back forth from. Portland this weekend I had to do four tests total within 48 hours to get down there then I had to pay a bunch of money to get one when I was down there had to do one at the bow riding and then I had to do one I got randomly selected on the way home to get another test so four fucking tests with it and I was sitting there while I was getting the one while I was down there and it had to be the PCR to come home and how much money is fucking going into this stuff it was lined up they had all these different things uh, tents and everything set up outside for people to go through. It's like this is fucking big business right now. So you can understand oh. the people are loving it. People are they're, oh. they're running that stuff. Holy shit! Yeah. But absolute joke. The truckers going back and forth. They're on strike right now. Do you see that? They're driving to mm-hmm. Ottawa and all this testing bullshit. It's like goddamn. My kids, everybody in their school has it. Fuck everybody around me. I feel like has it. So I just. Stop with the testing, let people fucking live and let's roll on. I think that it needs to just, yeah, go away. Cause it's the travel, like the stress and anxiety of travel that I had because of all this testing was worse than fucking anything. You know, you don't worry about getting COVID you're worried about getting the fucking test and you don't, you totally feel fine. And then not being able to go back to your own country or not being able to get to work down there. Like the, 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 the stress and anxiety of, of just, the testing fucking stuff is worse okay. than fucking any disease or any fucking thing that, that this thing is. Okay. So if you would have tested positive coming back, would you have had to stay in the U on the U S side for 10 days? Is that how that would have worked? Yeah. Or I would have had to rent a car and drive across the line from Portland. So you can drive across with a negative test and then you have to quarantine for 10 or 14 days or five, whatever it is now they're trying to get it down to five, but so you can drive across, but you can't fly across. So, yeah, yeah. that's well, the thing. And you don't I, even I know what the seen, fucking rules are. They change every fucking time. So traveling, you book your flights and shit. And then, fuck, you know, you have to have a test within 72 hours to get down there. Or fucking 24 hours right now to get down there. Uh, so to get a get that lined out, all the testing facilities are fucking booked up. So if you don't get it booked in time, you're fucked to get down there to start with. Then on the way home, all the facilities Same shit. are so booked up that you can't get in anywhere to get your fucking PCR test. And then if even if you do do it two days before because you have 72 hours to do it, there's no guarantee that you're getting re- your results back in time because all the labs are so fucking backed up. So there's lots of people that get their tests done, do everything you're supposed to do, but they can't get the results back because everything's so fucking backed up and they can't get back across the line. And even if, if it's just a couple hours later, then you're going to miss those fucking flights. Then you're fucking spending all that extra money on different flights. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, take, I'm oh, take a breath. Take a breath. I'm going to get Megan on the phone here to make sure if if we need, she can run downstairs and get a brown paper bag for OLT <laughs> here because he's going to lose his shit. You know what? No, I phoned uh, Lane Peterson. Judge Lane. I phoned him because I'm like, I, I uh, trying to get across the, on my trip next week, I was going to drive to Minot. Yeah. Just eliminate the bullshit at Calgary or Toronto. Just eliminate it. But then I like I can't motivate myself to drive seven hours to an airport. You know, well, especially you can, hang here for, you can drive five, hang here for the night, then get up and go to Minot. This is fair. Yeah, then I'm gone another day. I'm see when I travel, it's like a puzzle for me. No, it is. Like I want to do five games in five days, and I want to just like. Like that's the oh, off okay. day. I don't believe oh, no. in off Whatever. days. Whatever. So, well, no, I'll come visit you. No, hey. apparently you're not actually. So go do. Well, your I'm five not coming. Five you, I'm not coming to visit you to have a sleepover to drive two hours to an airport. How about that? Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Moving on. And plus, we did spend enough time traveling like the old days to frickin' every PBR Cup Series event last fall. Well, well holy fuck, we're not getting any younger. we got to spend as much time as we can traveling. True. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's good. All right. Yeah, it is a stressful fucking time. And speaking of my wife, you can ask her how I'd fucking handle it because I stress more about travel than anything. And now with this added aspects of it like if i had a seven hour layover fucking four years ago i'd lose my fucking mind right like that that's none that shouldn't happen right so this time it was just like okay oh that's part of it i just accepted that it's gonna suck there's gonna be cancellations i could get stuck in the u.s like just trying to come to terms with it before it happens because it's pretty much a guarantee right now that that shit's gonna fucking just pack a few extra socks and gotch yep pack my laptop so we can do the podcast on the road boys (laughs) Braden, Braden, he must have been texting and he's like oh did you hear about cuz he's like stuck Seven hours <laughs> drinking marg fourteen dollar margaritas. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't complain. I was Snapchatting different people, and they were they were sending me pictures of them driving through snowstorms, and they're like, "Fuck yeah, we're stuck traveling too, but we don't get to sit there and drink beer." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair. We are, yeah, you, you missed yeah. a little storm while you're gone at home, probably Tanner. We uh we drove up to the cabin Thursday night. Uh oh, speaking of watched. Prince Albert's own Braden Schneider played his first yep. uh, NHL game, um, which was awesome. Scored a goal. And then the next day we had people come up and they had to zip back for some hockey and come up Saturday and there was rollovers North Martinsville. Yeah. I guess the weather was the shits. And then by the time we drove home Sunday, it was all good. So we hunkered down in the ice fishing shack, never drilled a hole. But speaking of margaritas, we did we did bang out a few of those. I'll tell you, <laughs> you Ukrainian ice fishing, eh? Sit down, don't drill any holes. Fuck. Well, we watched yeah, Denver. We watched Denver and then the Rangers game Saturday in the ice fishing shack. Went through two two jerry cans of fuel on the generator. <laughs> that's how long we sat in there, noon till two in the morning. It's a bad shift. That's uh, gold. Yep. Sometimes that'll fucking happen, boys. It will sneak up and get you. Yeah, I've been yeah, I've been plowing snow out of the yard since I got home. So yeah, she she hit pretty hard. But guess we can't really complain about snow with how dry it's been the last few years. But there's no, a lot. 
A lot, a lot. Okay, before we get to our interview, we've been going on here for a long time, and I have a lot more stuff to talk about, but we just don't got the gosh dang time. So I'll remember it for two weeks from now. But um, I noticed that the 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 championship buckles. So like Kyler Oliver, when he won Madison Square Garden, if you look, you usually get like a nice buckle for those that don't know gold and silver buckle with rubies and whatever else in it for people that aren't rodeo people. They have these new buckles now. Did you see them? No, no. Well, they're like, I don't even know what you'd call them, but oh, maybe we'll share a picture of it on social media, but they look terrible. <laughs> they're just fucking look like um, little, I don't know, little trinkets, I'm but gonna, I'm searching it right now. It right now. It's like the old school one where it's like got the tip on the end and then it's got like, it's like the half moon buckle oh, uh, the three piece the three yeah piece you know what i mean set. yeah so i don't know for me it was just like oh god i won a buckle that was that i feel like is an actual buckle but long story short of it what was your uh what's your coolest commemorative buckle whether it be a bullfighting buckle or scott your championship all those championship buckles you won over the years uh what stands out to you as the coolest thing that you ever won as a competitor or God as a, as a bullfighter for making a finals or something like that. What stands out to you? Do you, do you know? Are you, are you talking to me now? Yeah. Both of you, Scott, you go first. Well, I'm going to go. I have two. One was winning the Glenn Keeley ring. Um, yeah. That was friggin' awesome. And, and to echo that uh, my last year at Staveley fighting bulls um, at the Glenn Keeley Memorial, they give me a beautiful buckle that I wear to this day. I've worn every day since I've got it. And it's um Glenn Keeley Memorial Bullfighter and uh, just always kind of been special to me. I mean, they're all special, but that one really sticks out and probably won't ever leave my waist. So cool. that's mine. Jason? Oh, my my first buckle, you know? I think the very first one you won, like when you're growing up and you're a steer rider and you're traveling around, I traveled with uh, Brian McPhee Sr. who rode bareback horses and then obviously his son, uh, Brian McPhee Jr. got us started and and JR was like a phenom in the steer riding. So he had all the buckles, right? So Gooseberry Lake, I believe, was my first one. And they had cool buckles back then. And I wanted to win that sucker. Like, I, that's all I wanted to do. And I remember I won it on the first – I was there first perf. So we left. And I phoned back to whoever the secretary was. I don't know. Maybe I was phoning the post office in concert. I can't even remember. <laughs> yeah. I won. And, yeah, you won. And I'm like, can you please get me that buckle? And I'll never forget when that sucker showed up at the post office. So yeah, my first one, because you know, you're wearing a bought and paid for buckle that, you know, that you bought at Claypool's Western store just to hold your pants up, but it's not <laughs> one you won. So yeah, I think the very first one was the best. Now, like I wear a buckle that, well, it's a long story. Richard Jones has the, has the mate to it. Just so I don't think, that stuff means nothing anymore. I think handing them out now is what I like the most is giving them away. Oh, he turns it. Tummy stick action with all the boys. <laughs> oh, I, do. I like, I, li- I do. I like giving them away now. That's what yeah. it's all about. Um, you're like, you're like the gift that keeps on giving. That's right. That's right. And Christmas is over for another year. So put, it up, put whatever you want on your wish list, Scott, for next year. Another tattoo. <laughs> Mine is um, my buckle that I won in St. Louis. I won the UTB in St. Louis due to the fact that it was after Ty Posbon had passed away and it was near the end of my bull riding career. I'd had a whole bunch of injuries. 
lost all my sponsorship, everything through those years and, and didn't even know if I could ride again at that level type of thing. You know, just like the, that time of my life, I think was probably just like the hardest time of my life and, and just trying to get back on tour and get everything back together. And then also Scott was the day that, uh, our grandpa, Grandpa Byrne, passed away on top of it, too. And so it was in memory of, of him. And just there was so many different aspects that went along with, with winning that buckle that that one, I wear it on my, my belt, and it stands out to me. First UTB win also is big. Any of them that you win over the years, you always need those wins, especially in, in our sport. That means you're getting paid. But first one's everything. That St. Louis one, though, stands out for me as, as one of my, my favorite uh- ones. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Tanner, and you probably have to make room for a couple more buckles before you're done. Um, with that being said, uh, Jason, I'm sorry to hear about the passing of your grandmother. Um, Thank you. I, Thanks. I knew, yeah. I knew her uh, I knew her a little bit through hanging out in that Asquith country over the years. I'm sure I impressed the shit out of her a time or two with when we were. Yeah, you probably bellied up to her table a few times for yeah. a couple of years, didn't you? Yeah. You bet. Scott kind of hung around my place lots. He had a thing for my cousins. Mm-hmm. That'll happen. Just yeah. Yeah. Just saying. yeah, we got to see more of Scott than we really wanted to there for about three years. It grew. Yeah. It yeah. grew. Yeah. The relationship yeah. grew yeah. into family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it grew right into the bunkhouse, but that's a whole different episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah no, cool. The really cool one more shout out I want to give you, yeah, the Stetson Lawrence, or uh, yeah, Stetson Lawrence for uh, for that win because that, like I'm talking about, those buckles that was what reminded me of what Stetson went through in Chicago. Is you don't know if you're ever going to be back. The mental stress that goes along with all that stuff, and then just to get that win, it just makes it all worth it all those hours and and time that you put into it makes it all worth it so congrats Stetson uh congrats to everybody in the winner's circle um look forward to watching everybody here in the upcoming bow ridings rodeos we'll be back in in two weeks and with that thanks for listening thanks for the feedback we love yous here's our interview with the ceo and commissioner of the pbr sean gleason you didn't have to worry about sean gleason putting his hours in he worked his ass off and he was passionate he loves the sport and he wants to see it grow and a lot of people want to take pot shots at sean but until you sit in that seat you don't know what it's like sean's done a good job with pbr for years and and just gotten better as the job grew he grew with it and, and has done a really good job but in the last couple of years I'd argue with anybody that he's the best commissioner in sports. For me when Sean really shined is when COVID hit and and throughout COVID. I'm proud of what the PBR has done. I think Sean Gleason has taken it to a whole nother level. I think Sean Gleason through the whole pandemic really tried to grow the sport when other sports were just taking political stances. You know, with true cowboy spirit, I think Sean and the team just kept saying, well, we're gonna do whatever it takes. No other sport kept going like we did. That was that was Sean's call. Failure just wasn't an option and, and giving up wasn't an option. You know, Sean was able to come up with protocols that other sports followed. He set the bar. Sean 
was able to pilot this ship in a way that the PBR was the last sport to be held in front of a live audience and the first sport back to be held in front of a live audience. Whatever Sean's gonna do, he's gonna do it first class and he's gonna kick ass at it. It doesn't matter what it is. And now he's with the Western sports industry. I mean, hell, there's nothing better, but the sky's the limit for the whole Western world with Sean running it. Our guest today needs no introduction in the Western lifestyle industry, but he is the Jim Shoulders Lifetime Achievement Award winner, a six-time Grammy-nominated music producer, the CEO and commissioner of the PBR, Mr. Sean Gleason. Sean, how are we doing today? Pretty good, guys. Glad to be on. Thanks for coming on. Where do, where do we catch you today? I'm sure it's it's uh, busy, busy as per usual for you, but what do, you, uh, what do we got on the go? Sitting in the office in Pueblo, Colorado, and uh, if you can look in the background, Jim Shoulders is looking over my shoulder, making sure I'm making good decisions. So, <laughs> <laughs> Shit, who do I got looking over mine? Some Michael, hockey player. Michael Sterling. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Sterling. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I'll change that up. Yeah, that's a pretty good guy to have looking over your shoulder, though. Um, Sean, we got a bunch of questions for you today. This is pretty cool to, to have you on here. We're, we're honored and excited to, to pick your brain on a bunch of stuff. We, uh, we bullshit about the PBR quite a bit, but it's all kind of hearsay and, and, uh, opinions on it. So it'll be cool to, to get some stuff from you on this, but before we get into to all that and then the new team aspect and questions that we got for you on that, I want to go back to, um, to your early days, like we do lots on this podcast and, uh, go back to your youth, kind of, and, and your story. A lot of people know you as the, the head of the PBR, the guy running the show, but but uh, where do you come from? Western lifestyle background? What uh, what's, your, what's your upbringing kind of like? Yeah, I grew up in a small town in eastern Washington, Goldendale, Washington. Um, 2,500 to 2,600 people, depending on the, the year. Um, out in the middle of nowhere, it's in Clickitag County. It was 70 miles from Yakima, 100 miles from Portland, and 100 miles from the Tri-Cities. So there wasn't a whole lot to do but live the Western lifestyle. And so I grew up on the back of a horse, um, worked for all the farmers and ranchers in the area, and did a lot of hunting and outdoor stuff. A um, little bit of rodeo, was never really that good at it, but uh, you know, a little bit of roping and uh, got on one steer and my early teens and ate a mouthful of dirt and decided I never wanted to do that again. So were, were you six, two at 13 years old? No, actually I grew about five inches between my freshman year and my, uh, uh, or my, uh, senior year of high school, and my freshman year of college, I had to learn how to walk again. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Allen syndrome. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, and then, then where did it go from there? I, you know, I didn't even really know this until I started doing some research, but six time Grammy nominated music producing, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Sierra sports as well as in your background, what was your, you know, college university upbringing really to the top of the PBR? How did, how did this all line out? Yeah, I went to Western Washington university in Bellingham and, um, you know, great school and had a, had a great, uh, college experience and then just landed in the right place at the right time with a few entrepreneurs that started Miramar, uh, product audio and video production company. And a few years into that, I was running it, you know, still green and wet behind the ears as a, uh, marketing executive and a business leader. But a few years into that, I started running the company and it just happened to work out that way. I spent about 10 years there um, built it into a BMG distributed worldwide audio visual company. And we made 
uh, music albums, long form music videos, special specialty videos, and uh, got a few Grammy nominations and a few platinum videos uh, along the way. Not bad. Is there uh, some some names that the people would know that, that you worked with within that industry? Probably not. Um, I grew up as a uh, 80s hairband aficionado, yeah. uh, but, spent, <laughs> uh, but spent those years selling new age and adult contemporary music. So Jan Hammer was on our label who wrote the Miami Vice uh, theme oh, yeah. song, best known for that. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Dolby, who wrote, had the hit with Weird Science, was on our label. Um, did some projects with Peter Gabriel and one with Santana and nice. a few other names that are recognizable, but mostly it was new age music and, uh, and kind of adult contemporary stuff. So then where did it, where did it lead to the PBR side of things? Um, Randy Bernard obviously was the, the first CEO or there was somebody before that, right? Who was the first CEO was Sam uh, yeah, Sam Bump, then then Randy, then Jim Hayworth was there for a bit. Did you did you start with the PBR before you became CEO long time ago and then worked your way into that position or how did the road to the to the top of the well, of the ladder well, work? I left the music business when uh um if you guys remember Napster, you yeah. young. <laughs> um, I left the music business after I realized that I was in the music business and my life was dependent on people paying for it. And I was downloading thousands of songs for free on Napster. And I realized that's a problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm creating my own problem. I'm, cre- I, I'm part yeah. of the problem. Um, and so I actually left the music business and went to Sierra online and ran the sports division uh, for the computer game maker Sierra online. And we made, football, baseball, NASCAR, traditional sports games. Um, And I got the crazy idea to make a a bull riding computer game and met Randy. And um, so I was one of the first licensees of the PBR before I joined the PBR. And then after a few years and um, that company being sold multiple times, I decided PBR looked like a lot more fun. And and I basically spent my youth trying to get out of Goldendale, Washington. And then I spent um, the rest of my career trying to get back to a place like that. And so the PBR really afforded me an opportunity to, uh, to get back into a lifestyle that I grew up around and, and apply my entertainment marketing and business skills to, um, frankly, the best product that I thought I'd ever have a chance to work with. And I was right. And we're talking now, what is this, 23, 24 years now for you, Sean? Um, yeah, so I, so I uh, was a licensee in 97, six or seven, 97, I think, um, maybe 98, but it was early on. So I, I've been to um, all but three of the finals, I think, or four of the finals at most, Um but first as a licensee, and then a few years after that, I joined in 99 as um, a contractor for about almost a year. And then in 2000, I joined as the chief operating officer. And um, so it's 20, coming up on 22 years um, as a full-time employee and 23 years uh, with the company. Beauty. Yeah, Sean, Sean used to come up to Canada back when we first started the global, yeah, yeah, with the first global expansion, um, Sean was up in Canada. I don't even know how many years ago that was now. Uh, 2006, uh, we had the bright idea to, you know, we're, we probably only had 
30, 40 employees, maybe 50 employees back then, but we had the bright idea that we should go international. Mm -hmm. And so I flew to Canada and met with Austin, who was running whatever it was, Canadian or PRB. Yeah, uh, PCB. PCB. I flew to Brazil um, and, uh, and acquired, we basically did the same thing in Brazil, took over a local uh, just bull riding alliance or organization association um then uh flew to australia did the same thing over there and you know i did i also went to mexico and we opened our own offices in mexico at that time before we realized we were getting ripped off multiple times and then closed them um, <laughs> but you know back in that those days um you know it was really just creating alliances and starting to open some fledgling businesses and um, but that was 2006. Yeah. Did you ever um, fathom the, the growth that where we're at today within the PBR back in say nine, their nineties, when you, when you first came around, did you ever think that, um, maybe that you'd be where you're at in the, in the position that you're at as well as where the PBR is and the position that it, that it is in? Um, I knew we could get PBR to the position we're at today and we still haven't achieved what I think it's capable of that I, and I formed that opinion in 99. So, um, you know, I, I still, we still have a long way to go. We've obviously come a long way and there's a lot to celebrate, but, uh, there's still goals and objectives that I haven't achieved yet before I retire right up into the sunset. Um, but whether or not I was going to be a part of it, I mean, you know, there's not many, uh, situations where a company is sold twice, yeah. You know, in the span of that and the executives stay on. Um, so I feel pretty fortunate that I'm, I not only made it through both of those initiatives, but I moved up every time, you know, and, uh, and so it's been good fortune, but it's also been a lot of hard work, frankly, to, you know, I'm, I'm as, I'm as committed as anyone to the long-term success of the PBR, um, even the founders, and they beat that into my head. I still talk to them regularly, but you know, it's, uh, it's been a labor of love making more money for bull riders is still at the core of why I do this. Back in the early days when you came on was, who was your mentor within the PBR? Um, Randy. Get, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the board of directors hated me. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, Cody Lambert said multiple times that, you know, he used to want to beat the shit out of me. And now he thinks I'm the best commissioner in sports. So I've come a long way in, in the eyes of most of the, the PBR founders and board members. But, you know, part of it was that it was an organization run by 20 bull, you know, or a board of, of bull riders that didn't have a whole lot of um, business experience, but a lot of bull riding experience. And, you know, I had a lot of business experience and, so at that point, I basically I'd been running two entertainment companies for 12, 14, 15 years. And there were a lot of things that um, that when I came in, I just was like, well, that's not the way you got to do shit, you know, and and I'm not a shy person when it comes to voicing my opinion. So I think those guys thought I was there. Uh, there's. Let's put that one in quotes. When yeah. we, <laughs> not a shy person. Um, but, you know, it, it's uh so a lot of those guys thought I was, you know, a shyster coming in from the outside world and, and didn't really trust me. Uh, but I had a great relationship with Randy and 
you know, learned a lot from him on how to not be as rigid and structured as I'd been in a lot of other businesses and take some chances and, and do some things and learned everything I needed to know from the board um, and the founders about why we were doing this. And so, um, you know, I've grown a lot along the way as a, as a businessman, but having that background and being able to learn from Randy and the others, what this business was all about and what that, what's at its core. Uh, it's been a pretty good combination for me as I sit here today. Mm-hmm. So you got to give us some ins. I was there uh, at that starting time. We all know the story of, of Randy Bernard and the chair being thrown at his head. Uh, do you got any uh, good ones or maybe turning points or some good fuck you matches within the systems that, that stand uh, out to you over the years? Yeah, you know, there um, there was the era when we bought our TV rights back um, and then went and put the first show on network television in 2001. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I still say Randy overpaid for it. We've argued about this for 20 years. So, um, <laughs> you know, we could have got a better deal on it. But, you know, Randy, Randy did all the right things and made all the right decisions. But that was part of my business structure was how the hell are we going to pay for this? You know, we just bought the TV rights back and we have no cash. We've got, you know, no commitments. And basically it was, well, Sean, you better go sell this much advertising or we're going to go broke. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute, let's get a better deal on this thing. (laughs) Um, And that led to the stories that are, you know, have been told here and there about Tufts departure and the fracturing of the board. And, you know, I was right in the middle of all of that. And um, pretty much everybody that wasn't 100% on, on the side of Randy and Ty and Cody and that, that faction of the board um, isn't with us anymore. And, you know, I always say to Randy's credit, he kept me around, you know, despite some of those issues. And, um, again, the main reason I think is because I, w- I, my heart was in the right place. It was about moving the business forward. And so, um, those were some trying times. Um, but we all got through it and there was a lot of screaming and yelling and, um, you know, the, the board had its opinions of me at the time. And, and like I said, most of those I've overcome it with all of them. Well, it kind of goes yeah, and it kind of goes back to everything happens for a reason. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, definitely. During yeah. that during that time, I like I like I like kind of like that you brought that up because there's a lot of like talk within it, right? Is that was when things kind of changed within the PBR that it was you know not as much for the riders and more about the business. Do you find that that it goes a lot now towards the business instead of like the original goals of the riders, or do you feel like everything is still um, like the original dates for the riders? Uh, I still keep that squarely in my heart as I run the business every day. And that's part of the reason Jim shoulders Sharon gave me that, that painting years and years ago. And that's, I moved around the office before I decided where I wanted to put it. Um, But I moved around the office before I decided where I wanted to put that because I wanted him looking over my shoulder purposely every single day. And, and, you know, I didn't get to spend a lot of time getting to know Jim, but um, he was he was the inspiration for a lot of the things we do. And so, yeah, we got to run a business. But as the business grows, the opportunities for bull riders grow. And so, you know, you can't make decisions that are going to put you out of business because it's a short lived 
um, it's a short-lived decision that um, will not ultimately benefit everybody in the long run. And that can be hard sometimes because frankly, a lot of bull riders don't have a lot of business background and, and they don't understand some of those decisions. Why can't we just do this? Why can't we do that? But at the end of the day, if it drives you out of business, there's no paychecks next year. So good luck. They do have, they do have opinions though. Oh, they got opinions. Yeah. yeah, they'll have, Fuck they yeah. got opinions. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it's it, and and I take I actually disagree completely. I'm not going to go into all the details, but the decisions that were made at the time and the fracturing, that wasn't actually what some people thought it was, which is more about the business and less about the bull riders. That might be the spin that the camp that left wanted to to make it about. Um, but I had firsthand personal conversations, personal understanding, personal meetings, personal presentations of all the data. And I was at the heart of all of that. And the decisions that were made were in the best interest of the bull riders and the other camp wanted it for themselves. And they'll never admit that, but it frankly was flat out a power grab for individuals over the collective. There we go. Getting some good insights. Huh? And I'm oh, telling yeah. you, without, without a single doubt, I know that for an absolute fact. There we go. Well, I think that's where you're at today, Sean. I don't think you really have to bend any of those decisions. No, I mean, I think over time, time's proven that out, right? 100%. Um, you know, you said something about taking chances. And, and one of the reasons why I reached out to you last week to get you on right away here or sooner than later, obviously talk about taking chances is the new initiative that I know is all yours. I remember uh, picking you up at the airport in Edmonton for our first global cup at Rogers place. And you, you had this idea back then. Um, so let's uh, let's roll into the new teams. I'm yeah. going to let Tanner, I know Tanner's got a list of questions here, but yeah, uh, yeah. really exciting stuff for PBR. And obviously um, well, I'm going to let you explain, um, talk about opinions. I'm sure you, the riders have their opinions, but it, it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating, exciting stuff for PBR right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's been probably 15 years that I've been since I first sat down one night and just started noodling out what it could be, but it's been a long time coming. So you say that so a long time you've been, you guys have been working through this. A lot of people don't see what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, where did it where did it come from? What's the idea basis behind it? Uh, and and with breaking it out this year was the Global Cup a big part of kind of the the intro to see if it worked? And then now obviously the success with the Global Cups uh, moving into this thing or, or how did this all? Yeah, give us the backstory on the teams. Yeah, well, it really you know um, so bull riding I, and I probably am the only human being on the planet that has as much experience trying to sell bull riding as a professional sport, you know, given my tenure here, but um, it's a really tough sport to sell to the general public because so many people have lost the roots to the Western lifestyle and, you know, have grown up now. There's two or three generations of people now that have grown up in concrete jungles in the main cities or the suburbs. And, you know, they've heard of rodeo and they've seen TV shows, but some of them have never seen a cow live, you know, let alone yeah. uh, a bull or, or a, a 
bull riding. And so, you know, as we continued to push the agenda and bring it to major markets, Madison Square Garden and Staples Center and from the Northwest to the North, the Southeast and, you know, across this country, <clears throat> it's been winning fans one at a time. It's a slow road. It's a tough slog. I keep, you know, I use the example that for the last 20 plus years, we've been pushing this rock up this hill. And if you let go of it for one second, it rolls right back over the top of you. And, you know, you just got to keep pushing and keep pushing. And until a couple of years ago, I never, ever felt that rock get lighter. You know, it was just one at a one fan at a time and you had to slog it out for every one of them. And you've seen it. It's hard to say that's how hard it was when, in 2019, we were setting records on top of records on top of records for attendance in all these major markets, but it's still a slog and you got to win those fans one at a time. And in all the research and talking to people and, and getting to know new fans versus old fans, I believe that teams and one of the genesis of this was teams are more familiar to traditional sports fans and more and are going to be easier to sell to introduce people to the sport of bull riding. Mm -hmm. That really was the first genesis of why teams. And I'm like, it's going to be easier to sell to fans, but it's still bull riding. And, you know, people have said, we're trying to tear down the foundation. And no, still one guy against a bull. You just add up five scores. You know I mean? It's, uh, but it's easier to understand. So I really believe that we're going to be able to market it. And the other thing is, it's bringing new blood and new um, business leaders into our sport. Johnny Morris owns Bass Pro Shops. He's got access to 220 million consumers across the country, around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Egon Dermott is the chairman of our company at Endeavor and one of the largest investors in firms around the world. So it's really, John Fisher owns the Oakland A's and the athletics and Ariad among others like the Gap. So, bringing new blood into the sport too is going to create new ideas, new opportunities. And that really is the genesis of why. Yeah. Huge opportunities, I think. And, yeah. you know, big picture of, of it. I think you nailed it right on the head. And I've always been a fan of the team deal. Like you say, it's, it adds so much more to the fan base. Also for the guys, the guys, I think you want to ride for your team. I know there's been times where I was going where, it's like, ah, fuck, whatever. You know, you're kind of off that weekend. It doesn't really matter. The only person you're really letting down is yourself with this. You know, you got, you got that whole team behind you. And I think it's going to make for, for a better product of, of bull riding. What was, the, what was the guy's reactions to it? I'm sure that um, the cowboy mentality is that we don't really like change a whole bunch. So what was the rider's reactions as well as maybe the founders of, of the PBR and, and guys that – probably don't like change towards their sport in the first place. How was everybody's reactions to this, to this being announced? Well, the, the founders um, have been once, once I was able to really be able to articulate what I wanted to do with this, uh, the founders became the biggest advocates. I mean, and now you're, you're going to find most of them as coaches and uh, team team personnel and, so they've been the biggest advocates of getting this off the ground. And it's been a, you know, in the getting it off the ground phase has been the last two and a half to three years. I mean, it's taken us a while to really get all the pieces in place. Um, and COVID helped that, by the way, by having to move the finals to Texas in 2020. It opened a dialogue that allowed us to move the finals, realign the Unleash the Beast and open up this window for teams. Um, but 
the guys, you know, it, yeah, in typical fashion, Tanner, you would have been in the room doing the same thing, which is, what are you doing now, you idiot? You know, quit, <laughs> quit messing up the business. You're, you know, you're such an asshole. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, the meeting where I walked in and said, virtually guaranteed that it doubles the salaries of the top 56 bull riders in the world. Everybody said, when do I sign up? Where do I yeah, sign up? Yeah. You know, and um, and now that they understand it, they uh, they're all excited about it because it it's not only an opportunity to make more money. I think it's going to extend some careers. Um, you're going to yeah. see some guys that don't ride in Unleash the Beast anymore that are going to sign up for a couple of years in teams. And, you know, when it, the first season is 10 events in a final. So 10 events in a finals in a June to uh, November window is a lot easier on a guy that doesn't have to go up and down the road now from January to November and compete in as many events as you have to as an individual bull rider. Um, so there's, there's a significant number of benefits that, to bull riders. And anybody that's, uh, you know, I've seen people say, it's an individual sport. I'm like, okay, then tune in from November to May because we're still running the individual sport and we're still going to crown a world champion and we're still going to give them a million bucks. Yeah. If you don't like it, tune into something else from June to November. Like just yeah. literally shut up and go away if you have that opinion. Yeah, that, that, was, that was one of my questions. Do you feel that you're going to segregate your fan base somewhat or will they stay amalgamated, take in both or... I hope they're fans of both, but if we separate them, more power to us because it just means more fans. Yeah, more fans. I I can't. I think. I think a bull riding fan is a bull riding Mm. fan, whether it's teams or not. That's my opinion. But opinions are like that because everybody has one. Um, But I think you're just adding something else to it with the team, like the curiosity alone from your PBR bull riding fan. Will they're all going to tune in? They have to. Like yeah. everybody wants to know, like it's, it, you've done a great job. And, you know, the announcement of moving to the finals to Fort Worth and then was like, wow, you want to leave Vegas? And you never really let anybody in on the secret that you were not leaving. Vegas. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm yeah, I got long enough, Sean, like when that, when I seen the announcement and then T-Mobile, I'm like, that's that. I got lambasted by a bunch of fans that are like, you know, again, <laughs> you idiot, you know, you're ruining yeah. the sport. Yeah. But- the world's coming to an end. You know, you've moved out of Vegas. I'm never going again. And the whole time I'm like, I've been negotiating a deal with Vegas for the team championships for about <laughs> nine months now, and I'm about to get it done and announce it. So, you know, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there you go. That's yeah. the NFP podcast attitude That's right there. So you kind of uh, answered it that it's going to be separate, separate uh, events from the regular season to your team deal. Is there ever a plan in the future that it's all going to go into the team deal and, and will there always be an individual world title or how is it all going to play out in the future? Will it always be two separate uh, seasons throughout the year? I think that there will always be two separate seasons. Um, And what I think might change over five, five years or so is who's competing in what, you know, and I think, I really think that where the money is going to be is going to be in the teams because it's got more opportunity to drive revenues that can pay guys more money. Um, It gives them some guaranteed money that, you know, has never been available in bull riding. 
So I think what'll change over five or six years is that the Unleash the Beast is gonna be this incredible development tour for individual bull riders. But a lot of the guys that haven't, that, that are younger, that haven't won their gold buckle yet are gonna do it all. Um, and some of them may say, I just want that gold buckle and not to be a part of teams. Um, and I think you'll see some of the guys, like I said, extend their careers by saying, Hey, I gave it six, six, seven years and unleash the beast. I'm going to now go and just ride teams or uh, yeah. did both or one or the other, but yeah. you know, in order to get there, we need more bull riders. And that's yeah. another benefit of this is there's more pay. There's going to be more bull riders. I think you'll create uh, more legends of the sport. Um, in that, with that being said, correct. Um, gives yeah. more opportunity somewhere on the unleash side as to the teams. So yeah, it's a win-win. Well, and, and don't forget the velocity tour. I don't, I bet it's not going away either. Is it? No, Shut velocity, up. velocity now. Well, when we're launching an entirely new tour, velocity now lines up with the unleash the beast schedule. So the finals are in Corpus the weekend before we go to the world finals and we're launching the challenger tour, which will kick off uh, right after the world finals. And we'll have the championships for that tour in Vegas as part of the team championship. That's and so the challenger, the challenger tour is really the developmental league for a team. So there's guys riding in multiple events a weekend all summer long, and the teams can send their riders down to that, that series to compete at those events as well. Minor leagues. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. So it's like a developmental it's, system. It's still contracted. We'll have to, we'll have to get on the phone. You and I, Sean, maybe we'll create a waiver system where teams sending guys down for maybe the right, maybe the wrong reasons. Um, if you align it up like the National Hockey League, those guys can be claimed off waivers. Oh, we already, I already wrote it. Up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. To each each, team, is a, each team is actually a roster of seven protected players, and then three practice players that can be assigned to the Challenger Tour, brought up when necessary. Those are the guys that can be claimed off of waivers, but the team that has them on their practice squad has a right of first refusal to sign mm -hmm. them to their seven-man active roster. Right. So, um, yeah, but so you're going to, you know, to those people that want more individual bull riding, there's more of it. There's an entirely new tour now um, that's going to crown a champion and feature a lot of young and up-and-coming uh, guys that are, that are trying to get the attention of teams if they're not already on one. So your challenger tour finals, will it, uh, the venue be uh, South point as, as usual, like you used to do with velocity finals. Me in two days, but most likely South point. Okay. <laughs> nice. That's good. That's, that's good. cool. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's... Waiting I'm waiting to hear from John myself. So I'll wait for two days before I hear anything from John. Yeah. That's good news for us. That uh, yeah, it adds so many different aspects that we've never seen within the sport, and as well on top of that, for the riders getting guaranteed contracts, uh, and then people after they retire and stuff too, with with opportunities yeah. in scouting and drafting, and just like other sports where there's where you just add so much to it that I think it's going to be great for for everybody yeah, involved. I'm, Michael Gaffney is going to be the uh, uh, coach of the Austin Gamblers, and. You know, I love Michael to death, but we haven't had anything for him to do around bull riding for 15 years, you yeah. know, since he was a TV announcer in the early days. Um, now he's back, you know, he's back and he's in bull riding. 
Um, Jerome Davis has obviously been putting on camps, but he's going to coach a Carolina team. And uh, McBride's the coach of uh, Nashville. Lambert's the coach of Fort Worth. Uh, Cord McCoy is working yeah. with our team in Oklahoma. Um, so nice. yeah, it's getting some some guys that uh, that didn't didn't have opportunities post their bull riding career, some opportunities. I think that's just going to grow. I think the, the organizations buying these teams are going to grow and the needs for scouting and other things as we professionalize it as a team sport, it's going to create more opportunities for bull riders post riding. And eight franchises to date, correct, Sean? Yeah. Eight to date. Now, obviously expansion has probably been discussed or at least in you've discussed it with yourself um Planned, yes. uh, yeah so would that be uh just like other professional sports obviously i understand there's two two of the teams are retained by pbr um would they be the first to sell or is that a business decision that you would make before maybe allowing company XYZ to expand and, and own their own team. It's, it's a business decision. Um, I've, uh, since we launched or announced in New York, I've actually turned down six legit, very legit um, interested owners that came crawling out of the woodwork. And, you know, we never, I never advertised this once. We never hired a sales agency. We didn't do, um, anything external in PR or anywhere to promote the fact that we had franchises available. Um, you know, I basically picked up the phone and sold all six of them. Um, and to, to people that, that know and are interested in the sport. Um, so we're going to have an opportunity to expand. I don't know exactly when it'll be a few years, but expansion is definitely going to happen. Um, and I think that our two teams will be sold, maybe at the end of the first year or into the second. Um, but the reality is that we knew that they were worth more than what we were asking for in, in franchise fees. And we were asking a lot. Um, yeah. And so we opted to keep a couple of them and, and sell them for more money down the line, which helps set the market for what teams are worth for the owners. I thought that was I thought that was a brilliant move. Personally, I really did. Um, some people that I were visiting with didn't really understand it, and I completely got it right off the hop. Um, no way. And, and, and well, <laughs> uh, here's the next question. Here's the next question for the, these two clowns on the left side of my screen. John, let our viewers know how much money do you think was in that room in New York? Just a, um, just an outside guess. Uh, somewhere between fifteen and twenty billion. Yeah, not bad. Boom. See, that leads to my next question, too, now, for the people that don't know. Uh, rider side of things, will there be a salary cap? You talk about setting the market of what the teams are worth. Can these guys hold out till they think what they are worth? Jose Vitor Lemme say, if he gets drafted first overall, can he negotiate his contract and and get what he thinks that he's worth? Or, or how does it all work when it comes to yeah, the guys so, signing? Yeah, so one, we got to get the league off the ground. So it can't just be a free... Mm. Nearly, you know, it can't just be free, free game for everybody because it just wouldn't work. Um, so we will have a draft. Um, the drafts, the positions get paid more for first, second, third. So it's a sliding scale of guaranteed money. Okay. Um, and then there's minimum comp that we have so the teams can't underpay. Um, and then 
but basically if you sign in the first two rounds and accept what is higher money than the rounds, their choices three through seven, um, if you accept that higher guaranteed comp, which I'm not sure why anybody wouldn't, then you're signing on with that team for two years. Then you're a free agent. Anybody that didn't get that money and is getting the minimum comp is only signing up for the first year and then they become a free agent. So one of my goals was to get guys to free agency as quickly as possible. So you're an agent, you're an agent's dream, Sean. Yeah. So the market, you should have a visit with Gary Bettman for us, please. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted the, I wanted, again, bull bull riders making more money is why I do this. And I've told the owners that too. So, you know, getting them to where there's a free market uh, opportunity for them to earn as much as they possibly can was my goal, but we still had to get it off the ground. So the longest commitment for pretty good money is two years. And then anybody else that, um, that isn't under a longer contract is only committing to one year and then they can go negotiate with whomever. Now the teams can negotiate out of the gate for longer term deals. If the rider and the team agree on it. Okay. Oh, this is but, good. And then, but yes. then there's guaranteed money, but then there's prize money. So, oh, there is on top of it too. Individual prize money within individual the prize events. money that the teams can't touch. So the teams are competing for um, $6 million prize purse that the riders can't claim or get any percentage right. of. And the riders are riding for the guaranteed money, which is a lot, plus $3 million more in prize money. So it's about the same equal between teams and riders as to what they're going to get comped. And the prize money is paid out the exact same way that the team money is paid out oh, on good. event wins and finishing the year. So the, the top team is going to make about a million and a half in prize money um, in the first year if they win throughout the season at a, at a regular clip and then win it all. Um, but every rider on the top team is going to make somewhere between 250 and 300,000 bucks for 10 in events. Guaranteed, in guaranteed contract money. Yeah. Now, yeah. well, that's, that's like some, somebody said, well, they can earn a million in the individual series. I'm like, but think about this. There's five guys guaranteed to get that. So that mm -hmm. top team is putting 1.25 million minimum into bull riders pockets. The second place team is a million bucks across those guys. So yeah. it's, it, it really, I mean, when you think about it and the fact that five guys are going to make 250 to 300 and five guys are going to make 200 to 250 and the next guys are going to make a hundred and something to 150, you go down that list. And the, by the way, the guys on the last place team, you can be a bull rider on the last place team that won that finished eighth in every event was the first finished eighth in the season on record was knocked out of the playoffs in the first position is still going to make 50 grand, even if he didn't cover a bull all season long. Right. So it's, you know, you, you think about that and look at it down that list. And, you know, one of the, one of the things I do, the first thing I do every year after the world finals, every year without fail, I'm usually the first one back in the office, if not, it's because I had meetings and I come back a day later, but I sit down and I go through how many guys made how much money? And the threshold 
has been for a long time, how many guys made at least a hundred thousand dollars. And we've got that into the twenties, you know, for 23, 24 and 25 guys, because it, when I started doing this way back when it was two, you yeah, know, and then, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. so I looked down that list, not just at what that top guy makes, but I wanted, you know, everybody to be able to make a living on prize money alone. And now think about that. 56 guys. Minimum of 50,000. Between 50 and $300,000 and five of them at a time make that it's like, you know, and so that's, that's game changing. I mean, that is life changing money for some of these guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and I like your idea, Sean, hopefully it brings some more bow riders out of the woodwork that want to do a little traveling and, and expose themselves. You know, you've always heard like there's counties in Texas that got all these, this phenomenal talent. They just don't want to leave home. And Maybe you'll never get them to change that way of thinking, but God, this has got to interest them a little bit to maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. First year, it's 11 weeks. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 11 weeks for that money. And, you know, I think um, some of the Canadians who sit at home on their ass ought to start, you know, planning their declarations of eligibility for, Get for teams it. speaking uh i i just wanted to clear up one thing too so there'll be obviously some guys some coaches or general managers wanting to draft a sage kimsey or a stetson Wright. um any truth to the rumor that prca carded or is there a certain way um you're determining when those guys can start uh, their names can be um, put forth to be drafted. Like, is it the fourth round or something? Is there any truth to that rumor? Uh, yeah, there is. So it's actually either the fifth or the sixth TBD. Um, that if if somebody wants to declare as eligible for the draft, um, they can declare for fewer than ten events and the finals. Which means that a PRCA guy that needs to miss uh, a weekend to make um, Clovis or whatever it might be, you know, in, in their run for the NFR, they can declare for fewer events than 10. Uh, but they'll only be eligible to be selected in the sixth or seventh, fifth, sixth or seventh rounds. Um, and, but a team has to make a choice there. You know, do I want to take a roster position out of seven roster positions for a guy it's only willing to compete in six events and that's the minimum. They can't declare for two. Um, so six event, six event min, minimum six in the finals. So they have to make themselves eligible for at least six in the finals, which gives them four weeks uh, to work around in that August to November period. And uh, but yeah, we want, we want all bull riders to have the opportunity to compete in teams. Now what, what they won't, be able to do is be eligible to earn their way into the unleash the beast series as a result of their performance in teams because we are going to seed the unleash the beast with individual performance in teams yeah. uh with at least 20 riders okay yeah so now, with question tanner and you and i've talked this uh on a couple of our last podcasts or prior to the podcast actually when we're just bullshitting on here standings so your season started, the Unleash the Beast. Finals would be in uh, May. So let's say as Canada for a country, if if we weren't run by some commies right now, we'd be rolling into Red Deer next week for our first event. We actually had three events scheduled for February. 
And our, our season ends in November at Rogers Place in Edmonton. So how would those points accumulate to roll in for the 2023 season to start at the UTB level, Sean, or has there well, been? You and I should probably have a business call to discuss this, but it's on my list of things because the way that the international finals work, I think now lines up better with the Unleash the Beast series because we can seed them straight into the Unleash the Beast. So, um, so that's how we'll do it. They'll, they'll, the points, we won't have uh, world points anymore. We can't really, um, that makes sense. So we'll have velocity tour points, we'll have international points and all those will work to seed the Unleash the Beast. But the points in the Unleash the Beast will be specific now to that tour. We won't carry okay. any in. Okay. Well, shit, we could go on for days. This is cool, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no I think it's I think it's a really cool, really great start, like you say, and and it's like a it's a huge start where you're gonna have 56 guys making over 50,000 in the year, which is which has been unheard of. So I think if if the guys look at it where look what we're getting into, it's already better than where we were at, and look at the possible future that this has right within the next years of of doing this sport. So um, from everything I've been hearing from the guys too, everybody, they do seem excited about it and they like how the the challenger systems are going to work and the drafts and, and all the different added aspects and, and you'll be, you know, you'll be signed guaranteed money and you'll be with a team and you'll have an owner and a coach and a GM that you can go to. So, you know, instead of it, just being individual and, and um, every man for themselves, you have all this different it, uh, stuff behind it. That is, that is huge for the guys. And it's completely voluntary. I mean, you know, the a guy, we're still going to take guys to the unleash the beast from the challenger standings. We're going to take them from the previous years, unleash the beast standings, but because they're so far apart now, you know, end in May and start in November, it doesn't make sense now to just start your field with the guys yeah. that ended. So we're going to take them from challenger. We're going to take some, of the top guys that um, earned the right to pass on world champions will automatically be exempted in. So you don't have to compete in teams to get to the next unleash the beast, but you know, that's going to be one of the biggest blocks of people we take. And the only time I ever talk about individuality in the team series is a behind the curtain standings of aggregate scores. Cause that's how we're going to rank them straight back to aggregate scores. You ride the most bulls. You're going to the Unleash a Beast. Okay. Cool. Okay, Sean, uh, we'd be amiss if we didn't uh, ask you about this as, as uh, word broke uh, last week of the of the passing of Jerome Robinson, a friend of all of us and, and just the integral cog of the whole PBR system. So can you give us a little bit of to insights on, on Jerome and, and what he meant to, to you as well as the PBR? Yeah, Jerome, you know, he was, I, I think I described him in our tribute video as the bedrock. And I meant that like, he's, you know, they asked me, what's the one word that you'd use to describe Jerome? And there's so many, you know, I mean, cowboy equals Jerome Robinson, but bedrock for as far as the PBR is concerned, because he's been here since the beginning, the dawn of time. And it's the foundation on which everything we've done was built. You know, he, He'd been doing it for a long time, and I don't think we would have made it through the first season of PBR if it wasn't for Jerome. Um, he's been there at virtually every event. He missed a few here and there along the way, but, um, you know, not having him there is weird. It's just strange. Um, 
but he also said that, uh, told me a couple times that he wanted to work till the day he died. Mm-hmm. And he worked till the day he died. Literally. Um, yeah. I wish we had him for 10 more years before that happened, but I think Jerome scripted it out. And um, Richard, uh, probably butcher uh, Richard Jones's um, saying, but he said, boy, he sure unsaddled that bitch slick. You know, I, <laughs> um, you know, he, he, he got her done exactly the way he wanted to. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, that's a good one. You know, but he's just, uh, you know, he's going to be terribly missed, never replaced. Um, we're holding a memorial tribute for him at the um, National Cowboy Museum in Oklahoma City on the Thursday, right before our event there. I can't remember the exact date. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the 13th. And... Um, and we'll have an announcement there. I'll give it to you guys first, but uh, we're going to rename PBR's uh, cup the, and trophy the Jerome Robinson Cup. So oh, well, we'll, yeah. we'll have there's other a, ways. There's we'll have scoop. other ways to honor. That's another Richard Jones uh, idea. But you know, it's uh, it's it's just it, there were a lot of people saying holding a bent, do this, do that, and I'm like. Oh. No, How about the ultimate championship? How about yeah. uh, the Lombardi Trophy? Is the Jerome Robinson? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's cool. Every champion, guys. every champion for I think I built that thing so that it's through the year twenty fifty or something or close to it. Because after we had the first one and we ran out of spaces, I added up how many years until I'm dead. <laughs> so that I knew I wouldn't have to make a new one. Yeah. I added like 20 more years and said, that'll do it because I will be dead and buried by the time that cup has to be redone. So, you know, for a good, a good 40 or 50 years, um, every champion's name's going on that cup. Yeah. Ooh. Tremendous honor. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. And fits, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's right where it needs to be. Speaking of that, speaking of um, the loss, Sean, you're the you're the head of the whole organization, so you take a lot of shit from riders, from fans, from everybody. But I guess somebody's somebody's got to deal with it. But the ups and the downs of the jobs, I want to kind of ask you both sides of it. But the loss of friends and and riders, and on top of that too, that's got to be the the hardest part of the job, is it not? Um, somebody asked me that the other day and, you know, Jerome is, Jerome is a little different. Jerome lived a full life and lived it on his terms. And, you know, so we can miss him, but we can't be sad, um, about the way he lived his life. Uh, when we lose a bull rider, it's the worst, absolute worst thing I have to deal with. And I told somebody, I don't know if I can go through another one. Um, it's, it's just terrible. I mean, you know, I, I spent a lot of time at the finals with Amadeo's family and, you know, it just, it just, it, it's just always there. You know, it's, it's always there. I called Mason Taylor, Mason Lowe the other day, just cause he was on my mind and, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's the worst part of my job. Yeah. And I think um, you guys have done you know, a great job moving forward, everybody growing and learning over the years and, and the support of the, the Ty Posbon Foundation, the Western Sports Foundation that, that you guys have shown. Uh, I think that's usually appreciated within within the guys in the systems. And is that yeah. something that you that you really stand by? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was talking to Chase Outlaw up in Denver and um, and he reminded me, he said, what the hell is it about 
this New York Denver event because yeah. Ty was during that period. Mason, Mason was in Denver and Jerome yeah. got home from He's New fired. York and didn't make it to Denver. Like what the hell goes on with that, um, that particular period of time. So um, I told Chase, I said, let's get through next year without one. And then it's not an issue, you know? Yeah. Um, right. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I mean, supporting the families of, of bull riders. I'm proud of what we've been able to do for uh, for everyone that we've lost along the way, and um, you know, that's a testament to our fans and the corporations that we deal with. Um, you know, they changed Amadeo's family's life. Um, we uh, we changed Abby's life um, with Mason and and Ty and the foundation and stuff. So we're, we're proud to be a supporter of all those things. And, but I'm really, you know, most thankful to our fans, to the corporations that support it. You know, we can do as much as we can, but we can't do everything. Cool. Opposite spectrum. What do you find as, as your, your biggest accomplishment within the PBR? Is there something that stands out as what you'd, Something you did that is is the coolest you did. Maybe it's the team stuff coming in now. Uh, what stands out to you as as your most proud moment within uh, the PBR? You know, honestly, and I guess not to try and sound too uh, conceited here, but there's been a whole bunch of them. You know, okay. I mean, standing on the deck of an aircraft carrier in the middle of uh, the pandemic after we just finished being the first sport back and the first sport to have fans and kept our you know, our family working during some of the most challenging times of anybody's life, standing on the deck of that aircraft carrier and saying to hell with the pandemic. That was a pretty proud moment. Um, <laughs> we had a, we had a tough, tough year that year and, you know, everybody did. And when I asked the team, you know, when I told them, I'm like, Hey, I've been thinking about bucking bulls on an aircraft carrier for a while. Should we tackle it this year? Every one of them after, literally exhausting ourselves to get through uh, the season to that point said, yeah, let's do it. And that was kind of my way of giving the bird to uh, the pandemic and it felt good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I bet it did. Okay. Well, we know that uh, you're super busy and, and uh, I, you know, the three oh, of us, I, obviously, I know I we're getting more. there. We're getting there. No, no, not the NFP question. What do you got? I want to go back to college in Bellingham, which makes you almost a Canadian. Almost. You guys, you guys must have snuck across for some of that some of that good beer, right? Eh? Oh, hell yeah! Too. I started my <laughs> drinking career in uh, uh, what's the little town right across the border? Um, Would it be Abbotsford from Bellingham? Were um, you over more to the? No, I was like right across the border. We didn't travel very far from Bellingham. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we spent a we spent a lot of time across the border from eighteen to twenty one. I figured when I heard that. <laughs> well, good thing that you got away from Portland. Holy shit, I was there last week and that oh, and, and oh. the Northwest. They're all they're all yeah. gone. Oh, it's a crazy world right now out there. Yeah, but like I was saying before, Jason cut me off as per usual. Was uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you and and uh, you know all of our lives are uh, based around and upon the pbr so with thanks for getting us through the pandemic and and keeping us employed throughout all these years so um with that scott's got our infamous question yeah sean sean pleasure talking to you today and i know you've put your balls on the line more than the average person in a working career and 
This is the NFP podcast, and we have our take on it. We're wondering, what's yours? Well, you know, I've got to be a little uh, sensitive to <laughs> um, a little sensitive to the topic, and uh, not have this come out on TMZ or something. But <laughs> you know, really, to me, it's it's about never compromising your values, and never like never ever compromising your values provided that they're the cowboy values hard work honesty and integrity if you never do that then you don't have to worry about anybody ever calling you the p word (laughs) (laughs) boom cool okay um one last one you guys good Jason, Scott, got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could, like I said, we could go for days. So we really appreciate the time. Um, you talked about making the new trophy and it um, having a lot of the years on it until until you're long gone. So what is the what's the future look like for you, Sean? You know, the Randy Bernard, he, he left and went to some other sports. Uh, is there is there is your future with the PBR? Would you want to branch out to do other stuff or, or what's in the future for Sean Gleason and the PBR? Well, I want to get the PBR uh, to a place where I can walk away knowing that with 100% confidence that it's going to keep moving forward and succeed and and probably get bigger and better from new ideas and fresh ideas. Um, I don't think I want to be like Jerome. I think I'd like to actually have a few years where I can not be going to a bull riding every weekend and and enjoy some other aspects of life. But I do have uh, in the back of my mind that I'm going to leave here and go to a team and come back and kick all the founders' asses and everybody else that's involved in the team business and show them I know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to bull riding and putting teams together. The ultimate challenge. Get a team someday. Cool. Hey, that's cool. That's good. I'll put my application in now for assistant GM with you, Sean. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'll coach. uh cool man okay well like i said we appreciate you we look forward to to this year's pbr season everything that's going on within the pbr canada with the team deals utb series big fans and and uh we appreciate everything you do so this thank you you. this has been our interview with sean